Well, good morning and welcome to our Savior's Church. If you're a first-time guest with us this morning, we just want to give you a big hand clap this morning. Come on. We, uh, I don't know if you did or not, but if you didn't get a chance to fill out a, a guest card on the back of the seat in front of you, we'd ask you to do that sometimes during the service and find one of the, uh, our good-looking ushers to give it to at the end of the service. How about that? Hey, Amen. You doing all right this morning? Yeah. It's good to see you. It's funny how good weather brings people out. Right? I mean, my animals are all frisky, the dogs, and doing all this. I went outside, had coffee on the porch. It's like the dog had coffee, the leftovers. I mean, it's just incredible things that happen when the weather gets right. The chickens are laying at max capacity because the weather's right. I'm like, praise God. We've been like seven and eight average on chickens every day. Anyway, everything's good when the weather's good, right? That's just South Louisiana. So welcome back to our our second part of our series entitled Follow. Just to give you a quick review of last week. Last week we talked about how uh, being an unbeliever or being a sinner is actually a prerequisite to being a follower of Jesus. Right? If you know this about the church, the first century church didn't even know who Jesus was and yet they followed him. Right? Right? Peter, James, John, all the disciples, they never, they never knew who Jesus was until the day he said, follow them. And then some of them didn't even realize who he really was until later on in the journey. Right. And so some of you have been told in church and through different things that, that you got to do certain things to be a follower of Christ. And it's really not true. You just need to follow Christ. And one day you'll get a revelation of who he is and you just might surrender your life to him. You remember doubting Thomas? You realize doubting Thomas didn't believe until after he saw Jesus' holes in his hands and his feet? The Bible says then he believed. Most of the disciples, it wasn't until you get through, through the middle part of one of the Gospels that, that they actually, the Bible says, and then they believed. You go, wow. You know, I thought when Jesus said, come follow me, they, boom, they became believers and went on and followed Jesus. You know, religion will tell you that you need to change and then you can follow us, right? How many of you have been a part of a church like that and say, well, you got to get your stuff right and then you can be a part of the church. I've been a part of that church. (laughs) But Jesus says, just come follow me how you are. And as you follow me, we're going to build this relationship and then you'll change. Right? Because if you try to change it before Jesus gets a hold of you, you're just going to make it worse. Come on, we're good at messing things up, aren't we? I can mess some stuff up. I don't know about you, but I can. Change is the result of a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ. If your life ever changes, if you've ever changed to any degree in your life, you can only say it comes from Jesus. Right? And let me give you this little tip. You're not ever going to stop changing. You will always change until the day you die. As soon as you start thinking you don't need to change anymore, you really need to change. Because you just got swallowed up by pride. Right? So let me ask you a question this morning. Are you following Jesus? Are you following Jesus? Are you just simply following Jesus? Is it a, is it a, a, a follow that, that has a lot to do with do's and don'ts? 
Or is it a following that you just, you know what, I'm doing life with Jesus. And, and I got some junk in my trunk that is going to have to get worked out. But I'm going to keep following because I know that the longer I follow, the more junk he takes out of my trunk. Right? I mean, some of you might be like me. I got like a trunk and then I got like a little trailer trunk. I got so much junk. I share with the men in our, in our herd meeting this Saturday. We had a great time. I share with the men that, you know, I thought I was good when I quit smoking dope and chasing women and, and, and looking at things I wasn't supposed to look at. I was like, oh, I'm good. And now as I walk with Jesus, I realize those were the easy things. Now he's dealing with my heart. And that's a hard spot at times, right? Come on, sometimes, no, 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 I don't want, us to, I don't want surgery today. No, 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 I don't have anger problems. I'll get it right. No, I'm not prideful. Man, the longer I go, the, the worse I realize I am. I'm like, man, am I ever going to get this right? He's like, no, probably not. <laughs> not till you get to heaven. I mean, you know, it's, but you, you need to keep working on it. <laughs> Isn't that true? So go with me to Matthew chapter 4. I want to show you something of two different accounts in the Bible. Matthew was, was a, I don't know if he, he was a tax collector, okay, for one thing. Matthew was a tax collector, but he wasn't a very detailed guy. And so when you read the book of Matthew, you got to know that he's not giving you all the details. Okay? Matthew doesn't give you all the details. And I want to show you this. Matthew chapter 4, starting at verse 18. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Let me ask you a question. Doesn't that sound a little weird? I mean, okay, you're out fishing, and here comes this guy in his robe and sandals. He says, Hey! Come follow me and we're going to fish for people. I've been fishing before and been around some crazy people. You just kind of go, hey, catch up with you in a minute. Start the outboard, cuz. Let's get out of here. Right? I mean, come on. That doesn't, there's no relationship there. There's no information. They don't know, according to Matthew, they don't even know who Jesus is. But he just says, hey, come follow me. They go, okay. And they just go. But you know, it's, it's really not like that, right? So yeah, I've heard preachers say, oh, you don't need to ask any questions. You just need to follow. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm like, huh, you crazy. I'm going to ask some questions. And if I don't ask questions, my wife's going to ask some questions before we make any decisions. And all the women said, amen. Verse 20, 20 and they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called to them too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. I don't know. Does that sound a little weird to you? I mean, that doesn't sound real spiritual. It really sounds irresponsible. Right? I mean, there could be a new preacher come in town and say, hey, come to my church. And I'll make you fishers of people. And somebody go, okay. Can I just tell you, we've had people do that. I go, what are you doing? Did God call you to the other church? 
Did he tell you to leave this church? It's just me preaching a little bit. Now go with me to, to Luke chapter 5. For all you detail folk. that have to have all the in-betweens. You see, I'm good with Matthew. I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards that, that side. Kind of like Jesus says, okay. I mean, this Cheryl and I's life story is, is Jesus said, I mean, God told us to go find Bubba, ask him what he needs and help him. And I was like, okay. Two weeks later, the house was up for sale and we packed our bags and moved. Looking back, I go, that wasn't real spiritual. It was a little bit rough on my family. <laughs> right? I mean, I was so, so dogmatic about doing what God said to do that we literally packed the bag. All, we packed the two cars all day Saturday and Cheryl's aunt's car. We threw the dog in the car. And Sunday morning, we left two hours early just so we could be at church on Sunday morning. So here we are. We roll up in the Jennings, three vehicles packed with our stuff and a dog. And we're going to church. I told you, I leaned towards Matthew. Okay. I go, man, that was a little ambitious. Maybe a little weird. If I'd have been Pastor Bob, I'd have been like, hmm, keep my eye on this one. Just saying. So let's go to Luke chapter 5, starting at verse 1. And I want to talk to you today about following Jesus. And I want to talk to you specifically about your next step. And I believe at the end of this message, we're going to talk about four, four phases that you could possibly be in. I believe all of us are in one of these phases. And I just want us to see what Jesus shows us in the life of Peter. So Luke chapter 5, verse 1. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. So Jesus is, is standing by the seashore, the Sea of Galilee, and there's some fishermen behind him, okay? The fishermen have all, they, they fish at night in those days, okay? Because at night the fish come to the top when the water's cooler. It's a sea. It's not a lake. It's a sea. And then during the day the fish go lower because it's cooler because the top warms up, okay? So they fish at night with nets because it's easier to catch the fish at night. So they fish all night. And then in the morning when they're done fishing, they go to the shore and they, they've got these, these big poles in the ground and they hang their nets up and they start pulling all the beer cans and uh, Walmart bags and all that stuff out the nets and, you know, all that stuff. And they, they, they clean their nets and then they let them dry. Okay. Then they roll them up and they bring them home. And then they go sleep. And then that afternoon they come back with their nets. They place them in the boat and they go back fishing again. That was kind of the process in those days. So just to set the story up. So Jesus is standing there on the, on the, the seashore. That's a hard one to say. On the seashore. And, and he's preaching the word of God. And the crowd is getting so big and they're pushing. You ever been at like Disneyland or one of the theme parks and people just start pushing or a concert. And, you know, so they're pressing him. And so Jesus is backing up and he's on the, he's on the water's edge. But he's preaching the word of God. So the, the fishermen are listening. And the crowd's listening, and the reason they're pressing in is probably because they want to hear him because the PA system was broke. Okay? The battery pack went out. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were, were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. So Jesus gets pushed back. There's two empty boats. He steps into Peter's boat. Steps into his boat. He goes, hey, can you push this thing out a little bit? 
would that be all right? And Peter's like, all right, cool. So he pushes the boat out a little bit so the crowd doesn't press him anymore. And Jesus sits down in Peter's boat. And he continues preaching the word of God. Now, Peter could have said no. Right? Hey, you ain't getting in my boat. Some people don't like that about their boat. Right? Don't be stepping in my boat. Peter could have said no, and could have, Jesus could have went into somebody else's boat, but Peter just, he, said, he submitted, he said, okay. But I want you to know something. Jesus asked Peter to sit in his boat. Jesus didn't do like I probably would have done. Say, hey, I need your boat. Yep. Right? So what you need to know by saying that is that Jesus will never force himself on you. He will ask you to take a certain place in your life. And if you let him, you never know what will happen next. Right? He's not going to force himself on you. So if somebody ever comes up to you and says, you got to give your life to Jesus. You, you're, you're dying and going to hell, you cigarette sucking sinner. You know what you may need to do? You may need to go, pow. You may need to punch him. Tell him to come on. I, I, it's probably due to punch somebody by now. So now I'm picking. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. But you, you need to run from people that try to force Jesus on you. Right? Because it's about a relationship. You can never, ever force a relationship. Right? It gets weird when you try to force a relationship with somebody. Right? I mean, these days they call it stalking. My kids, they clown around a little bit around the house. And if, if I'm watching them too close, he goes, Dad, you're stalking me. I'm like, stalking you? I'm like, well, I made you. It's a stalker thing. I don't know what the deal is. but I mean, I got stalker's rights, bro. I can stalk you anytime I want to. But he didn't, he didn't force himself into Peter's boat. You see, Jesus was preaching the word of God and the crowd was listening. Let me tell you something. Following Jesus always begins with information. It always begins with information. You didn't follow Jesus just one day because you woke up and you said, hmm, I need to follow somebody. Hmm, Jesus. You didn't do that, did you? It started with information. What kind of somebody might have been sharing their testimony? Somebody might have told you a story of, of financial freedom. I've seen a lot of people get saved through somebody else's financial testimony. I remember a welder I used to work with, and man, he, he got radically saved, and his life just, I mean, drastically changed, and he's tithing. And we'd sit in the break room, and I was like an undercover Christian. I didn't want nobody to know, but he was like a out in the public kind of Christian. He's like, yeah, I tithe. They're like, man, how you afford to tithe, man? You, you give them churches, they, all they want is your money. He's like, hey, all I know is this. I tithe, and I got more money left at the end of the month than I did before. They didn't realize it, but they were getting information to help them follow Jesus one day. Are you seeing this? So following Jesus always begins with information. The fishermen were listening while they worked. Let's continue. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deep and let down your nets to catch some fish. Okay, first of all, the first thing wrong with this is it's a teacher of the law. They saw Jesus as rabbi. A teacher, 
a very good teacher that did some miracles, but they saw him as rabbi. He's a teacher. And they had a little bit of honor for those kind of guys. And this teacher is telling a fisherman to go out and fish when they don't normally fish. You see what's wrong with that? That'd be like somebody who has no clue about what you do for a living coming up to you and saying, hey, we need to do this and we're going to do it a little different. You might have a few choice words for that person. Right? I mean, when I was in business, it'd be like somebody come and tell me how to pour concrete. <laughs> okay, you just sit there and watch. We'll do that. Watch what, watch what Peter says. Verse 5. Master. Simon replied. Now notice he called him master. He didn't call him Lord. He called him master. And you need to underline that. Peter's response to Jesus was, but master, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. You see, Jesus wants you to do the same thing you've been doing, but just do it a little bit different. You see, the problem with church, with religious folk, is they want to get saved and they want to change everything about themselves so that nobody can reach them. So, or so that they can't reach anybody, right? When Jesus told Peter, he said, I just want you to go back out in the boat. Let's go fishing now, and we're just going to do it a little bit different. Was it an inconvenience? Well, heck yeah, his nets are hanging up dry, and he just pulled the beer cans out of them. Right? I mean, he's been working hard to clean his stuff up and put it away. You know how it is when you put your stuff away when you're done working? Right? I mean, you get, you get your nail bag and your, your saws and everything put in your truck and they go, Oh, hey, can we do this? And you go, Nope. It was an inconvenience. When's the last time Jesus inconvenienced you? And you had the same response that Peter has. Watch what Peter says. But if you say so. (laughs) Okay. Now, Peter could say that because he trusted him. That statement says that I trust you. Peter was working on his nets, cleaning his nets, doing his thing. And Jesus was sitting in his boat, preaching the word of God. Peter was listening. Information comes before following. Right? So, so Peter's listening. He hears what Jesus says. He's probably heard a few rumors about Jesus. Okay, he can sit in my boat and preach. That's fine. I hope he doesn't ask for any more than that. But then Jesus says, when he's finished preaching, he says, hey, let's, let's go fishing. <sighs> Come on, man. Seriously. <laughs> Have you had those moments <laughs> when God says, hey, look, I want you to do this. And you go, oh. Really? Hopefully your response was, well, okay, if you say so. If you say so. I trust you. Jesus asked Peter to do something he'd done a thousand times. But he asked him to do it differently. He asked him to do it at the time he normally doesn't do it. And then they get out in the water and watch what Jesus says. He says, now go out where it is deep, is deeper, and let down your nets and catch some fish. Go out to the deep waters. Cast your nets back out and let's catch some fish. Peter had a choice to make. 
like many of you have a choice to make today. Peter could have said, no. Peter could have said, yes. Or Peter could have made up some excuse. Well, I don't have any gas. Right? My sail's torn. My nets are dry. He could have, he could have pushed Jesus aside, right? It's not that you always say no to Jesus, but sometimes we give him excuses. When he's moving in your heart and he's saying, hey, I want you to do this. You go, oh, well, uh, I'll get back to you. Right? And then we just kind of sit there and we go, okay, maybe, did he leave yet? Right? Can I tell you this? That every time I've said, if you say so, let's do it. I've always had a great experience with God. It's always been something incredible and exciting and adventurous. You know, I think a lot of men don't follow Jesus today because they think it's boring. But the reality is, is if a real man will get into a real relationship with a real savior, he will have real adventures. Come on. He'll take you places you never thought you would go. He'll introduce you to people you never thought you would meet. And you'll see things happen that you never thought you'd see happen. Jesus says, go out. Let's let's go to the deep waters. We're going to catch some fish. But if you say so, I'll I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. If you'll say yes to Jesus, something so incredible will happen in your life that you're going to have to ask for people to come help you. You remember the other two brothers, the sons of Zebedee? That in Matthew, Jesus said, come follow me. And they said, okay, they left their father. Those were the guys. They were, they were cleaning their nets next to Peter. They were probably going over there. Man, what's Peter doing? I told you that boy was crazy. He's taking that teacher out fishing. You ain't going to catch no fish. You don't catch fish at 12 o'clock. And then all of a sudden, hey, help. Bring your nets. What happens? God drew the sons of Zebedee into it. The reason God doesn't ask you to change what you're doing is because you've got people around you that he wants to reach. Just because you don't like your family members doesn't mean God doesn't want to reach them. That was for me. Just because you don't like your in-laws doesn't mean that God doesn't want to reach them. Maybe the problem is, is you're just not letting Jesus do something in your life so that they'll get excited about it. You see, people need to see change in our lives. They need to, they need to see something more than, oh, well, they, yeah, they're going to church. What does that mean? Oh, they, they dress better. <laughs> Matt T-Boy washes the car now every Saturday so they can go to church. You know, the world's full of that. But you know what people are hungry for? That when you say you're a follower of Jesus, that something amazing happens in your life. They want to see some amazing change in your life. And when they see that, 
You don't have to preach a word. You don't have to throw no scriptures at them. You just got to say, hey, I need some help. Right? (laughs) I think it's incredible that a teacher takes a fisherman out and teaches him how to fish. If it had been me, if I'd have been Jesus afterwards, I'd have probably been like, you see, bruh? <laughs> hey, bruh. Like me and my father-in-law used to do. We'd go fishing. Whoever caught the first one, he'd throw him in the boat and he'd go, hey, bruh, cha-ching. <laughs> and then I'd catch one and say, hey, bruh, cha-ching. A little bit of trash time. Hey, I'm just a teacher. You let this old teacher teach you how to fish. Their boats were so filled it was on the verge of sinking. They caught so much fish that they didn't have to go back to work for a week or two or three or four. They had to, they had to call for another refrigerator truck to come pick the fish up. I mean, it's like, hey, we, not only we got to get these fish to the bank, but we got to now process, clean, and do something with these fish. Right? I mean, the verge of sinking. Middle of the day, that, that ain't supposed to happen. People should be looking at your life and saying, that ain't supposed to happen. That ain't how their mom and daddy was. They supposed to be broke like the rest of us. They, they, they supposed to have a divorce by now. Because you see, if you belong to the Tyler clan, you need to at least be divorced once in your life. No, I'm serious. It's almost an unwritten law. Every one of my uncles has been divorced. I've got two aunts that have, that have stayed married to the same person. My mama was divorced. And if you're here today and you've been divorced, I'm not knocking on you, but I'm just telling you something. That, that something needs to happen in your life. They need to see something different about you. Because our families put us in the same boat, don't they? My, my, my oldest uncle told me, he said, son, you can't be honest and make it in business. <laughs> that was his encouragement to me. He also told me, don't ever marry a woman from East Texas because they're all crazy. <laughs> Take that, huh? You, you know, I'll give you his number. I'll give you his number. Shoot, yeah, you straighten him out. So I married a woman from West Louisiana. I mean, it's awesome, whatever. <laughs> I always was a little bit of a rebel. He'd tell me, he said, puppy love leads to a dog's life, son. Those were the encouraging words I grew up with. Right? But I'm sitting on 16 years of marriage to the same woman. I've got three kids that I'm teaching how to be honest. And then when I was in business, God blessed my business because I was honest. Are you with me? Our our financial numbers doubled every year because God's blessing was on us. You don't get his blessings when you're dishonest. My uncles cannot argue about what's happening in my life. They can say whatever they want to say. It don't matter. God has proven to them that there's something greater. Amen. They need to see it. You don't have to preach it all the time. They just need to see it. So what does that mean? That means you don't need to worry about them. You just need to take Jesus out in your boat and go fishing and let him do something in your life 
Are you with me? You just focus on you and Jesus. You say, well, my husband don't follow. Don't worry about that, baby. You just keep on going. You and Jesus. And sooner or later, he's going to say, hey, you need some help with that? Right? But too many times we get focused on the person next to us. Oh, you got to get right. You got to do this. And we bark at them, right? And then they never want to change. When you just need to take care of you and Jesus, and he's going to take you on a fishing trip, and you're going to have to call for help. Can I get an amen? Amen. Watch this in verse 8. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord. Well, hang on a second. Before they went on the fishing trip, he was just master. He was just a great teacher. He just heard about this guy. Oh, this is the rabbi. He's the newest rabbi coming through town. He's Jesus. Yeah, I mean, you know, he actually does a few miracles besides the teaching. Oh, man, he's great. He's a good. Oh, yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, he's a teacher, loves to teach. And then Peter goes on a fishing trip and he's so amazed that he falls on his knees. When's the last time you were amazed by Jesus and you fell on your knees? Okay. When is the last time you got so amazed by Jesus and you fell on your knees? Was it the day that you gave your life to Jesus? Well, let me ask you a question. Why did it stop? Because the Jesus I follow is continuing to be amazing. He continues to show up in my life. He continues to do something great. And I continue to be amazed. And honestly, some days, and I don't care how this looks, I just got to fall on my knees and I just go, God, thank you so much. Thank you, Lord. You're so good to me. When my son (laughs) thought he had a torn something in his knee and we bring him to the doctor, we go to the hospital, they admit him in the hospital, and then they come and go, there's nothing wrong with him. I go, Praise God. Because you see, that's the relationship. There needs to be intimacy with Jesus. Men, women, you don't have a problem with that. You love intimacy. And if your husband don't give it to you, then you're going to have more intimacy with Jesus. Because you want to tell Jesus to straighten your husband out. And you figure if you sit at his feet, he'll listen. And he's just telling you, I'm trying. He says, oh, Lord, please leave me. I am too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish he had caught. As were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Wow. Wow. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. You see, Jesus doesn't have a problem being around you. I'll say that again. Jesus doesn't have a problem being around you. Jesus didn't have a problem preaching from a dirty boat. Jesus didn't have a problem hanging out with with tax collectors and sinners. He didn't have the problem. The religious people had the problem. Jesus loves you enough that he's going to come get around your mess of a life and have a relationship with you. And just by his presence alone, you'll start wanting to change. Right? 
I mean, it's kind of like when you go eat dinner with rich folk. I mean, I eat better. I sit better. I sit proper, right? Because I'm at a rich person's house. I'm like, my knees are straight. Now, there's nothing natural to me about that. Okay, because I believe if you're eating pork chops, you need to grab the bone and chew on it a little bit. You know what I'm saying? But when you get around people like that, you want to change, right? When you get around Jesus, you want to change. He doesn't force you to change. You want to change. Why do you want to change? Because you realize how much he loves you and you start falling in love with him. That's what's going to happen to Jennifer's nephew, Nick. The guy we prayed for this morning, he's going to realize how much God's loves him. God loves him. And it doesn't matter what program he's ever going to. That ain't going to amount to a hill of beans because he's, he found Jesus. Watch this and I'll wrap this up. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. I'm going, man, who got stuck with all those fish? <laughs> as soon as they landed, they got out the boat and they followed Jesus. Now, doesn't, sound, doesn't that sound a little bit better than Matthew's account? Right? I mean, wouldn't you follow according to Luke's account? Doesn't that make more sense? It starts with information. <laughs> They were so awestruck that they left their livelihood, their means of making money. I mean, they quit their job. Listen to this. They quit their job. I've heard people say, oh, you got to quit your job. and mean that you literally need to quit your job. And that's not true. But you need to quit your job and put it in a place that it belongs. Are you with me? In other words, you need to quit your job because that's the most important thing in your life. You need to put it in at number four, five or six in your life. And you need to put Jesus as number one. So you need to quit those things that are in front of Jesus and make him number one. And you need to follow after him. You know, a true follower of Jesus doesn't try to go and fix all of his stuff, doesn't try to handle all of his things so that he can follow. Right. Right. He follows, and in the midst of it, all of his things just strangely seem to take care of themselves. That's why the Bible says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He didn't say, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then you can go get your things. He said they're going to be added to you. You see, there's a miracle that happens when your eyes are on Jesus that you can't see over here, there's a miracle that happens. Right? I've been a businessman, a very busy businessman. And I, I've been guilty of letting business get in my way, in, my, in the way of my relationship with Jesus. And can I tell you, all I did is work harder and harder and harder. And I got stressed and more stressed and more stressed and one day I sat down and I had the audacity to tell God, I said, God, I'm just tired. Man, I'm stressed out. He goes, well, I guess you are. You're doing it all by yourself. 
So let me give you four things real quick, four phases that you might find yourself in right now. Some of you are here and you're in the sit and listen phase. And you may not be a follower of Jesus yet, but let me tell you, you've already taken the first step just by sitting and listening today. Because you've gained information about an incredible person that you can follow. So all I can say to you is just come back, continue to come back to church and you'll hear more about Jesus and just just start to follow him. Right? You're in a sit and listen phase. There's no pressure. Just sit and listen. Some of you are in number two, the loan him your boat phase. Some of you are in the phase where it's becoming an inconvenience. (laughs) To me, it's almost like a crossroads. Where he's going, hey, can I borrow your boat? And you're sitting here going, I don't know. I bet Peter was glad he let Jesus take him fishing. I bet he was glad he let Jesus borrow his boat. I wonder what would have happened if Peter said no. Because you see, you never know what's on the backside of your obedience. In the loan, in the loan in your boat phase, it's inconvenient. But you know what? That's where the next step comes. It's another step that you need to take. There's something that God is pressing on your heart today. And you need to take that next step. Some of you are sitting here going, I don't know if this is the church I need to belong to. That's fine. I want you to question that. And I want you to ask God if this is where you belong. Because I'm not going to convince you to stay. We never do that here. We don't ever put anybody in a headlock and make them stay at church. I've taken a few, put them in a headlock and drug them out the church. But I'm joking. But for some of you, you just need to go to our next step class. They meet tonight for the third session. You can jump in in the middle. Six o'clock right here in the sanctuary. Some of you just need to go to the next step class so you can get your questions answered. It's just one more step. Next step is designed to help you make a good decision on where you need to be at church. We just believe that it's our, our chance to tell you who we are, what we believe, and how we do things. And you can either agree or disagree. Right? So some of you are in the, the loan in your boat phase. Others are in the um, take him fishing phase. <laughs> Some of you are sitting here right now and Jesus is saying, hey, I want to come in your boat. Let's go to work. I want to go to work with you tomorrow. Okay. But we're going to do it a little different. Yeah, but I got that meeting. No, I want to sit in that meeting. Some of you, God's pounding on your heart. And he's saying, hey, let me in. Let me into everything. Let me get into every phase of your life. And some of you are going, I don't know. Can I tell you, it's okay to be afraid? It is. It's okay to be afraid. And if you blow it and say no, let me tell you, there's going to be another time. God's not going to give up on you. But that's not an excuse. Are you with me? He wants in. And if you let him in, he's going to take you places you never thought you would go. You never know what's hanging in the balance. And number four, some of you are in the leave your nets phase. Or he's calling you to to take something that you've gotten away of your relationship with him. 
And he wants you to take you, he wants you to take that thing. It could be a relationship. It could be your job. It could be financial worries or financial prosperity. It could be all kinds of things. It could be material things. It could be your marriage or your children. And he's asking you to take that thing and leave it. You say, yeah, but, 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 but God, but, 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 but. He said, hey, you, you trust me or not? I want you to focus on me and you. He's like, look me in the eyes. Come on, me and you. Me and you. Seek me first. Follow me first. And all these things that you're worried about will be added to you. Some of you, that's a hard decision. Especially for you folks who are very analytical. Unlike me. You see, I believe it's good to be dumb sometimes. I'm serious. Sometimes God says, Jamie, I want you to do this. Okay. I just don't know no better. But it gets you in trouble too. So wherever you find yourself today, I just want to encourage you with this. Take the next step. Take the next step. Very simply. Take the next step that God is calling you to. And when you do, <laughs> you're going to open up a can of worms you never thought you did. Amen? All you got to do is take the next step. If you're in the sit and listen phase, just come back to church next week. If you're in one of the other phases and you, you don't know if this is the church you need to belong to, come to the next step class tonight. Ask your questions. Right? It's good. Are you following Christ? It's about a relationship. It's not about rules. Right? Can you stand with me this morning? As I'm preaching this morning, I'm being reminded of Times that I could have said no to, to God or to Jesus. Times I could have said, no, I'm not going. Or no, I'm not going to do this. And I go, man, what's on the other side of that? I, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm going, okay, God, what if I would have said no when you said, go find Bubba, ask him what he needs and help him? What if I would have said no? I think about how my kids would have been. I think about how my marriage would be. I think about how my relationship with Jesus would be if I would have said no. There's a lot hanging in the balance. Are you with me? Do you know there's children in the back right now being ministered to and being poured into because we got some faithful people that said yes instead of no? They just said yes. Yes, so I'll go back there with the kids. Listen, I ain't that good. That's okay. Just go back there and love on them kids. Okay. You know, that's the greatest ministry in our church. It's the biggest ministry in our church. You know, this year, that's where the most of our money went is to the children's ministry. I'm going to embarrass my son. 
well, why this happens. I love you, son. My son had a problem this morning. And I think you'll all find yourself where he was this morning. He told his mama, he said, I, I don't want to serve in children's church anymore. And she was like, well, what's wrong, buddy? I mean, you've been excited about serving in children's church. He said, I, I don't know. And he didn't want to say it. And he was just, I, So she pressed him for a little while and he said, well, it's, I want to sit in the church and listen to the daddy preach. Hey, that's, that's a great, that's a great thing to want. I mean, I was blessed by him saying that. But my wife, she was like, mm, is that why? And so she comes to the back and she tells me what's happening. And she says, you need to go talk to him. I said, okay. So I went down and I sat with him. I said, hey, let's talk for a minute. I said, uh, why you want to not serve in children's church anymore? He, said, oh. he kind of does that sometimes. You got to get pull stuff out of him. I'm sure your kids are like that too. He goes, oh, I just want to sit and listen to you preach, Daddy. And honestly, everything in me was like, that's my boy. I'm going to listen to his daddy preach. <laughs> I said, well, bro, I said, let's, I want to help you make a good decision. So, so let's talk about this for a minute. I said, do you realize in children's church, you're a role model? He went, well, I guess. I see, you realize there's little boys like Cameron and some other little, little guys in there. They look up to you. Yeah. I mean, I see him all the time. I say, hey, Ethan, hey, Ethan. I, say, yeah, I guess so. I said, do you realize you're one of the first leaders we, that are coming out of our children's ministry and you have an opportunity to lead other kids and be a great leader? Yeah. I said, do you realize you get to do the same thing that daddy does on Sundays? Really? I said, yeah. I just want to help you make the right decision. Now, I didn't put him in a headlock and say, you're going back to children's church. I didn't do that. And his mom had already let him out. I said, so do you see how important it is for you to say yes? My son, you got a great opportunity at a young age to be an example to some kids. I said, you know what? I want all them little boys in there to grow up like you. I really do. I said, so how do you feel about it now? He goes, I want to be back in. I said, good. I'm proud of you for going back in. And God is asking us to do something today. It may not be children's church. For some of you, you don't need to be in children's church. Right? But for some of you, God's asking you to reach out and touch somebody. Reach out and, and, and go back to a loved one that, that you have unforgiveness towards. Go back to somebody you got animosity with. Go back to a broken and wrecked relationship and mend that relationship. He may be asking you to step out into a new ministry today. Listen, I want you to start this group. Come on, you know I've been saying this. I want you to start a life group. You know, Pastor Jamie, he don't, he don't put a lot of rules on everybody. You go start a life group. He's going to watch you, but because you ain't going to get cuckoo on him. But you, you go start a life group.
Some of you, he may be saying, you know what? I want you to give this and I want you to give that. And you're, you're like Ethan was this morning. You just you don't really understand why. Can I tell you, sometimes you don't know why. But you'll never find out if you don't ever let Jesus in your boat. Amen? You'll never get a full catch like that if you never let Jesus in your boat. I bet Peter and those guys have never seen a catch like that. So whatever God's asking you to do this morning, I just want you to surrender it. Can you do that? I just want you to surrender it. It's right there in your seat. I just want you to, in your own way, say, God, just, if you say so. You may need to start with just a simple, if you say so, let's go do it. And you don't have much faith at all, but just do it. Can I pray for you this morning? Father, I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for these people, your people that you've placed here today. I thank you for every person that showed up today, Father, because I believe every one of us needs to hear this. I believe that every one of us has a calling on our life. I believe that every one of us has a purpose to fill. Every one of us has a part in the body of Christ to be doing something, to be, to be touching or reaching out or changing or doing something, Father, for the kingdom. Lord, I pray this morning that we make you our priority. I pray that, Lord, whatever you're asking us to quit and move to the side, that we will do so, Lord. We'll take that next step. And, Father, if we've put idols in front of you, if we've let work or marriage or kids or, or hobbies, anything get in front of our relationship with you, Lord, I pray right now we'll just quit those things and put them in their proper place, Lord. Knowing that you are first and that us following you is the greatest thing we can ever do. So, Lord, help us. For those that you're calling into something, Lord. I just say take the next step. Surrender and take the next step. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Peter's example, Father. And how in that one fishing trip, he had such a revelation of you. That it forever changed his life, Lord. I pray that those that make that decision to take that next step today will have the same experience that Peter had. That they'll, they'll go from seeing you as master to seeing you as Lord. Lord of all. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.